ready for another episode of Wandering the Wool Gathering? Good, here's Foggy. Holy cow, I got funky. <laughs> Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 38. The show that nearly coincided with the 37th birthday of Russia's ninth studio album, Signals. Why does this matter? It doesn't. Just a cheap shout-out, really, for my boys in Rush. For real, though, beam me up because Star Trek premiered on this day in 1966. So oh set those phasers for music. And welcome to the show. I'm Foggy. With me, as always, JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Yes. It's great. You have theme music. This is getting funkier by the minute. Right. And Teabags is here. Swinging deep into the valleys of Latonia. <laughs> able to plunge from high altitudes, only to land with a gentle splat. Nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. <laughs> it's... It's... T-Bags. Too hot for TV. Yeah. I think it might be long, my, but that's my new ringtone. That's my choice for the epic song this week. <laughs> I kind of can't wait to announce you now, Mundy. And with us as well, Metalhead Mundy. Step inside into his mind. It's time. It's... Metalhead Mundy. I didn't have that much free time on my hands. <laughs> Very uh, anticlimactic. <laughs> no, you still have great theme music, Mundy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I you set put the standard. That, I want to put that teabags theme on repeat. <laughs> that was fantastic. One more time that for the great. kids. Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. I love that's nasty. Able to plunge <laughs> from high altitudes only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the <laughs> finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's... It's... T-Bags. Too hot for TV. That's so great. That's, great. That's nasty. It sure it. is. Oh, man. That really made my night, Paul. Thank you hey, so much. You're quite welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we go from here. Good night, folks. Yeah. <laughs> See us next week. <laughs> oh, excellent. Before we jump into it, anybody have anything exciting? No. For Nothing once, no. Exciting. I'm, not, I'm actually not sick now. That's awesome. You were sick? Good. Oh, yeah. Had a oh. nice bug going around here this week. Oh, yeah. I read that on Facebook. I'm sorry. Yeah. I saw that like so many times from people. I had lost track of who was sick. So, my mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> Well, Foggy scored us some tool tickets. So that's big news. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yes. we got Lacey and I got some too. She was <laughs> she did not have a good time trying to get those. Every time she clicked on a pair, then somebody else grabbed them. They were already in somebody else's cart. Oh my gosh. We got on there at ten and it was like two thousand plus people in front of you in the queue. Yeah, that's what her said too. Yeah, and you're right. They they were disappearing. Yeah. As, as I went, because I went, first of all, I thought, okay, I want to get straight away. I'll go upper. I don't care. I want to, you know. And then, like, the upper deck front row was, like, 350 bucks all the way back. I thought, holy cow. Um, I did not choose those seats. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got nosebleeds. I don't know. I think they were, like, the $95 ones, which is, uh, it's whatever, but. Might I suggest a nice Audubon gray grade pair of binoculars for your event. <laughs> I'm not kidding. 
<clears throat> it's okay. Nice we'll be in the building with him. Pith helmet to go with it. I mean, it might be in Maynard fashion. Who knows how he's going to dress with it? <laughs> or if we'll even see him. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> you might. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get after it then, shall we? Sure. We shall. Do Do we have a Lester Bangs intro? Uh, we don't have a Lester Bangs intro. I, I will work on that. It'll be nasty. No, I'm. Just- <laughs> well then let's get to it the uh the challenge inspired by lester bangs famous uh, cri- critic what do we even know where he was it rolling stone yeah that's where i saw uh the information about him originate yeah. so um i'll have to do a little more wikipedia fact checking to verify but that's how i uh grasped the concept as where he came from sweet so anyway that challenge this week is up to jpp all right Long time to speak. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to butcher this as I try to censor out the, the clues here. So, <clears throat> excuse me, 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 me. Warm up for this. All right, this uh, album is not, not good. Released last night in a pastel haze of butterflies, stars, and rainbows, it's safe to say there are some objectively good songs. But these are songs manufactured by a pop hits algorithm. And trying to please everyone... It's pleasing actually no one. Sorry, real quick. Can you hear me okay? I'm hearing a lot of chops and blips. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's just fine. Okay, good. It must be the internet. It's like it, there's a list of the boxes this album had to check and went down that list one by one. Um, let's see here. There, anyway. But in the year of our Lord 2019, that's not what we need from this artist or anyone else for that matter. Um, okay, let me scroll down a little bit more. I'll get to the summary here because that the rest of it kind of takes a, you know, a, a nice, easy win for whoever. After waiting two years for this new album, uh, wait, after waiting two years for new artists' songs and then enduring an exhaustive hype cycle that spanned the entire summer, this album should have been a goddamn work of art. Instead, it's an entire album that feels recycled from everything this artist has already created. That's not the worst thing in the world, but it also could have, could have, and should have been better. The posty? No. Taylor Swift. Taylor, Taylor Swift. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the two years waiting kind of yeah. got me there. Yeah, I felt it was fitting, given some of the content we were posting this week about the war on Tool versus T Swift and. Uh, you know, who was going to make number one and bands who didn't even know who Tool was and how they came out of nowhere and got the number <laughs> one spot and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I feel like this episode's definitely going to lean on the uh, back in my day and curmudgeonly attitude and that sort of thing. So I wanted to just oh. <laughs> tie into that a little bit more. I thought it might be posty because it has been a couple of years since his last. It might have been three, but yeah. and then and it's been forever since Sunflower came out, you know, with the movie and everything. So yeah. it's like the build up for this one has been forever as well. I, he was my uh, second. I figured it was <clears throat> my first thought was Taylor Swift. My then I was like, well, maybe it is Post Malone, but yeah. If I went into that next paragraph, it would have been like songs about ex boyfriends. Check this. Yeah. Thing. You <laughs> know what I mean? So I was like, well, that's yeah. a little too obvious. I did see a cool meme, though. It showed a picture of Taylor Swift, like, writes songs about her ex-boyfriends. And then it was a picture of Stevie Nicks, makes ex-boyfriend play guitar on the song she wrote about him to show how much of an asshole he was. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Hmm. Well, that was fitting. Yes. Yes. 
So anyway, oh, Paul froze up. I I did. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I see. Yeah, You're good for me. No, I think maybe I froze up. You all froze up on my end. <laughs> oh, well, I'd see a doctor about that pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> so check in right. with the real gray. <laughs> does the trick. It does. No, that was cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of fun seeing our our uh, metal people knock off the top spots, even if it is for a short period of time. Um, it is cool to see that. So yeah, now we know yeah. how Jethro Tull fans felt when they swept Metallica under the rug. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just don't understand that whole mentality where people are like, oh my God, who is this? They can't touch Taylor. And like the people that are calling for the other fans to like keep streaming it so they don't take over. Like, I mean, what is that about? <laughs> There's this competitive culture out there. That That's ridiculous. These, like, I know. Even well, on the other hand, we are excited that ours took over. Yeah. So, in true. a reverse sort of way. Yep. And we have obviously been marginalized for a long time as far as popular culture goes, mainstream-wise. Anyway, the Grammys, I mean, if you watch the Grammy shows, I don't think it's been since. Um, the last time I can re- really remember when the, like, even not necessarily heavy metal, but like rock groups dominated was back when uh, Pumpkins released Melancholy and they played on the Grammys, they opened it. And after that, it just became like a swell of women artists. And then it was just all pop and then pop country. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's over 20 years. Yeah. I don't think they don't even televise <clears throat> the medal award anymore. I don't think. <clears throat> nope. nope. It's gone the way of the dodo. <clears throat> but yeah. remember, you can't spell contemporary without temporary. <laughs> <laughs> true story. That's true. Good job. Yeah. Awesome. You guys ready to get to the weekly challenge? I'm ready. Yes. Weekly right. challenge. Weekly challenge. Whose was it? Well, that was Monday's. Yep. Yep. All right. Remind us. So basically, building from reviewing tool where all of the songs are like 30 minutes long, um, what I I just wanted everybody to pick, <clears throat> you know, no more than two. Uh, epic songs by epic i mean like lengthy like you know more than like eight or nine minutes or so and something that just makes you it feels just epic just a huge song and you know just really moves you and kind of you know gets your blood flowing and just just feels like an epic majestic song so that was it do i have to describe it in that voice as well Yes, huh. mandatory. Consider it right. done. <laughs> <laughs> I had two songs. Did everybody else have two or just one? Uh, I got two-ish. Yeah, I settled on one, and I just kind of went in depth on one. I had four. <laughs> <laughs> You're the new T-Bags. That's right. Yeah. I've been talking to Earl. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Tony, if you're ready to roll. Okay. Well, I just thought we'd round table it. Like, I'll say one, and then we'll move on and come sure. back around. Um, I don't know if I can get any more epic in length than Echoes by Pink Floyd, which clocks in at 23 minutes and 32 seconds. But it is one of my favorite songs of all time. The first time I saw it was uh, the Live at Pompeii VHS back in the day. <laughs> um, but man, talk about a song that I feel like hits Monday's description. It just tells a story and it 
it'll break down into some funky baseline groove and come back into some flowing stuff. And it, after hearing it against the whole catalog, it reminds me like they kind of went back to that feel for animals, which is my favorite album. So it's no surprise. This is my favorite song, but <clears throat> off of metal. Um, just a couple quick things about it though. It, somewhere in the beginning, it says uh, strangers passing in the street by chances, by chance, two separate glances meet and I am you. And what I see is me. Then later on in the song, he says, and no one sings me lullabies and no one cry, no one makes me close my eyes. So I throw my windows wide and call to you across the sky. And I feel like the whole thing is a journey about connecting, which seems to be a theme for a lot of the songs that I choose. So, um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the performance on live at Pompeii or heard the song, but I love it. I don't remember what I've seen. I saw him setting up there. I mean, there was a documentary with them preparing for that, but I don't remember if I remember the performance itself. You, Steve, should at least read the lyrics. It's a pretty much like a big, long poem. It's really well 23 written. minutes, you say? Yeah. Gotcha. But you can just read the poem. <laughs> you don't have to listen to the song. <laughs> no, I want to listen. Okay. I was just All checking right. in. JPP. That's mine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My, my first one, first pick, um, is... It's one of my favorite bands in the world, Metallica. Um, it mm-hmm. is Who Lives to Die from the Injustice for All album. Uh, epic in the fact that it's an instrumental. Um, you know, the song itself has a little bit of uh, dialogue in it from that I believe Cliff wrote that little segment, if I'm not mistaken, Cliff Burton. And so when I first heard this song, it was when I first learned of the fact that Jason Newstead hadn't been and the whole time um and that cliff had passed away and so um being a sixth grader and not understanding mortality really um not that i've experienced it yet but you know what i mean as far as like it was way out of reach and all that it was just a real deep song for me at the time and i remember sitting and listening to it several times and it, the meaning and, and the sentiment of it has changed a, a lot for me it, it's grown with me i should say and one of the biggest pieces, just the way the song kind of is heavy and grooves and then has a nice little um, clean guitar moment and then guitar swells that sound orchestral and builds back up and rips your face off at the end. So um, okay. that in itself is certainly an epic, epic journey. And one thing I really like about it is it doesn't get too flashy at all. It's kind of a break from the rest of the album with its complexities and intricacies, but um, it still hits just as hard. It just kind of shows that less is more in some aspects, and it's equally powerful even though it takes a break and plays with the dynamics a lot more. Yeah, that's, awesome. a, that's an epic track. <clears throat> is that instrumental all the way? Yeah, uh, there's, with the exception yeah, like of the... spoken word. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's very short. Uh-huh. Like, when a man lies, he murders some part of the world, and it goes on from there. I don't yeah. know it all by heart, so I don't want to butcher it. But nonetheless, I mean, they okay. just kind of speak that little moment, and then it starts to build back up from there. Yeah. That's awesome. What was it on? Great track. Uh, it's on Injustice for All. It's uh, Injustice. Ne- next to last oh. track. I think yesterday was the 31st birthday of that. Wow. Yeah, I saw something. Or it was that or, or Friday. I can't remember, but yeah, thirty-one years. Isn't that insane? Yeah. That'd be right because it's eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. When when our albums are starting to get old, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm starting to cry. 
<laughs> I skipped my 30th class reunion this weekend, so <laughs> there you go. But why? But why? I don't know. <laughs> don't we had stuff. Anyway. <laughs> yep. Okay, so um, I didn't. I told you I would not choose 2112. Uh, because I think I talked about that a long time ago on an episode. That one clocks in at 20 minutes, 32 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but my runner-up choice, which I'll speak of briefly here before my main one, is actually a two-part song that clocks in at 28 minutes from Rush. It starts on one album and then completes on the next album. Hmm. So it's the last song on Farewell to Kings, um, and then it's the first song on Hemispheres. And Hemispheres being the key there because it's a song that goes back and forth between logic and emotion, between the mind and heart, and looks at them from a sort of a Greek perspective with Apollo and Dionysus. It is hugely epic in a very rush way. So uh, that was my runner-up. What was the the album that it ended on? Hemispheres. Okay. And the song, (laughs) the title is Cygnus X1... Book one, Voyage. And then the second one is Cygnus X1, Book two, Hemispheres. That's so rush. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's so wordy. But, uh, but, I mean, it's a great song, and it's all over the place. It's pretty cool. All right, checking that out. All right, Monday. You only have one, right? You get a runner-up, though, right? Uh, I mean, no. I have one. <laughs> Do you want to go back to tea bags then? Uh, I don't care. I can do mine. Go for it. Okay, so I picked Metallica too. Um, <clears throat> I decided not to go with any of the instrumentals because I don't. I mean, I've talked about Orion. I think before it's like that. That's really my favorite song of all time, and their instrumentals are they're all kind of epic and they ebb and flow and they're just all over the place and they're very very good um but one of their song their song i decided to go with uh is the outlaw torn and uh it's very easily my i didn't write down how long it is i suck but it's long it's over 10 minutes long i think but uh it's easily my favorite song from the load era that one and uh fuel those are my two favorites but um outlaw torn it like it starts in like it fades in kind of slowly this little groove and it builds up to this huge riff and um the riff kind of falls away into this uh really gorgeous kind of thick bass and drum groove and um when the vocals come in hetfield is kind of like he's kind of breathy and understated kind of quiet and um it's uh, the song it's just full of like peaks and valleys it builds and releases tension and all of the stuff and then um Hetfield's vocals he has like a huge range in this song he's kind of all over the place with technique and uh, loud quiet whispery it's all over the place um a lot of people crap on Lars, his drumming ability, and I still don't understand why. I think it's because I don't play drums, but his drumming in this song is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics, uh, 
I love the lyrics of this song. <clears throat> and if you if you read them, uh, it's Hetfield has this way of writing sometimes where you kind of get an idea of what it might be about, but he never. Sometimes he doesn't nail it on the head like he doesn't hit you upside the face with what he's talking about so you kind of have to try to figure it out i feel like this is one of those so i what i get from it is that the the person speaking is someone who's like constantly searching for approval that they've never gotten and they're trying to figure out who they really are and they're not satisfied with what they're seeing and feeling um but they're trying to improve themselves somehow and my favorite lyrics from the song is um it says hear me and if i close my mind in fear please pry it open see me and if my face becomes sincere beware hold me and when i start to come undone stitch me together save me and when you see me strut, remind me of what left this outlaw torn. So, but I, I just, yeah, I, I love this song and I just, I put headphones on and get lost in it forever. Just, I could listen to it on repeat a few times and it's fantastic. You can listen to it a few times because it's half as long as book two, Hemispheres, at 18 minutes. <laughs> it's 948. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like yeah. Those lyrics, that's cool. I remember that song. I don't know as intimately as you do, but now I'm going to go back and listen to it. Yeah, it's really and great. When you're talking about Hetfield, um, different styles of singing and writing, it reminded me, I just watched a performance of them on Howard Stern from a while back when they performed Master of Puppets. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but <clears throat> they're so on it. I mean, even Lars, mm-hmm. like you're talking about the drumming, but uh, I expected Hetfield to be a little bit, you know, off or kind of bored of the song or whatever, but it almost seemed like a whole refreshed way of how he was performing it. Um, I feel like with them, you're talking about them being bored performing songs. I think they went through that and they've come out the other side and I think they've realized like how important they are, not in an egotistical way, but like they have so many millions of fans all over the world and uh-huh. they're all, they've all gone through like their drug and alcohol phases and all of that. And they've come through that stuff and they kind of know their place. If that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Like so they don't, I feel like they don't really phone it in ever. Right. No, they, well, and they've evolved too. They've changed over time. They can get stagnant and stay in that same place they were 30 years ago, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, not to derail us, but since we... <clears throat> have Metallica fans here. Um, what do you think collectively of like the Unforgiven series, like all the different Unforgiven versions? I love them. Yeah. I think it's cool. I've actually, I have, I think I've sat and listened to all three of them once, like all together, but I, Uh that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of an epic track. If you put it all together. Yeah. 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 For real. And I remember the first time I heard Unforgiven two. Mm-hmm. as a, a fledgling guitar player at the time in my uh, gosh how, was i even 20 yet i can't remember now God. hey guys i'm getting old folks anyway um 96 I, right yeah okay yeah so um young and nonetheless but i remember hearing the uh um b-bender guitar going on and, and 
I wouldn't say I was turned off by it, but I certainly felt like, what's Metallica doing? And now, <laughs> and now that I've you know tried several styles of guitar and I've met musicians who pull off different styles very well, um, I've come to fully appreciate it and embrace the the evolvement of from Unforgiven One onward and just the way the concept just kind of grew and changed with the time they wrote a new one. Yeah, I really like the Bieber guitar. The Bieber guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one that yeah. shouts baby repeat, repeatedly? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any string yeah, it's just baby. baby, baby, yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you want me to go back to my turn and go back around? Yeah, let's just roll. Okay. Um, not surprisingly, I went with Tool, but I didn't go with anything from the new album because I'm still digesting that. I know um, <laughs> but uh, I went with Lateralis clocks in at 923 and I, I could read the entire thing if I wanted to go over the lines that I love but um, a couple of key lines that I love and specifically the parts that they go with on the song but as below so above and beyond I imagine drawn beyond the lines of reason push the envelope and watch it bend and uh, that really kind of speaks to me from an artistic standpoint and the as below so above is rooted in that like hermetic thinking of you know almost heaven on earth or however you want to deal with it what happens inside your body happens to the whole body you know um and then overthinking overanalyzing separates the body from the mind withering my intuition leaving opportunities behind feed my will to feel this moment urging me to cross the line reaching out to embrace the random reaching out to embrace whatever may come and there's a part later on there where he talks about your will and your and following your will in the wind. And I think that combination of um, knowing what you want to go after, you know, what resonates with you inside, but also not fighting the forces and going, you know, going with the wind instead of against it and just seeing where it may come, where it may take you. I love the idea of like randomness and, um, you know, that kind of goes all the way back to even back at art school when you'd have to look at a subject and draw it but you couldn't look at your paper and so when you were done you know it did not look at all like what you thought but also you probably couldn't have produced that had you tried to think it through so um yeah lots of stuff in there but definitely one of my favorite tracks of all time very cool what was the uh what was the time on that Nine twenty-three. <laughs> shortest song of the night oh <laughs> <laughs> uh... Don't time shame them. <laughs> I was time shaming you. Okay. <laughs> Coming That's up okay. a little short again, eh, Tony? Hey, teabagged. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> I think you just got teabagged. Yes. Now, now I just need to cut that. That's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's hilarious. No, that was a great choice. I love that song. Thanks. What do you got, Stevie? Guess. Just take a stab. Um, whatever <laughs> Slipknot's longest song is, <laughs> they don't have calm. anything that long. <laughs> uh, um, no, no, wait a minute. Iowa is pretty damn long, <laughs> but that's not it. Um, of course, Rush. <laughs> there, there aren't a ton of them left that were that long because they went through that phase and then they broke out of it, you know, in early '80s. But um, yeah. Xanadu is probably one of my favorites. And um, I don't know if you know, but it's based on a the poem. Movie. It's based <laughs> on the movie. I you, wish. 
if you type it into <laughs> that'd be awesome. Getty's wearing like uh, leg warmers and roller skates. <laughs> he might have back in the day, man. They wore some outfits. Let me tell you, unsee button, unsee button. <laughs> um, anyway, it's based on a poem by the greatest rock and roll poet of all time, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who is also responsible for Iron Maidens. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So not many old poets getting, you know, brought back up in the you know, <laughs> late 1900s by rock bands, but he does it twice. Nice. And um, this one has a great story because um, Coleridge had some illnesses, so he was hooked on opiates. So the story, he, he, t- he kind of changes the story. People think it's, it's fake. But anyway, so the story is he has this dream. And somebody interrupts his dream, interrupts his sleeping. It's a man from Porlock comes to his door, wakes him from the dream. And he quickly, after this visit, writes down everything he can remember. But he only has so many lines that he can remember. And he, they think it was drug-induced, but he claims he just simply couldn't remember it because he was awakened by this guy who they could never substantiate. Um, but the man from Porlock does appear in a Hellraiser comic book which was awesome. And a whole issue for that, Jeremy. You'd probably dig that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the poem is about this sort of mystical place of immortality. Um, it's a, a place by Kublai Khan. It's really cool. So what Rush did is they took the poem, but they sort of finish it. So uh, Neil writes all the lyrics, um, but it starts off and um, it goes from lyrics like, you know, I had heard the whispered tales of immortality. So he's getting to this pleasure dome and then it goes to the next to stand within the pleasure dome decreed by Kublai Khan to taste anew the fruits of life the last immortal man and then as it goes on he's frozen in an everlasting view waiting for the world to end weary of the night praying for the light prison of the lost Xanadu so it goes from this glorious place of immortality to a prison Um, and I love that they sort of expanded on the original poem and the intro to this song is longer than the rest. It's a, it's an eleven minute song, and the intro is six minutes. So, yeah, Very excellent cool. concert too, by the way. <laughs> I bet for sure. Yeah, lots of Getty yeah. screaming. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I need to revisit yeah. this bold rush for sure. It's been a while. Same. I think it's really cool. I don't know. I I think it's really cool when like a band uh, just a band that you're into kind of picks up on something else that you're into like i know back in the day the anthrax used to write a lot of songs not not a lot but a few they wrote a few songs that were based on like stephen king books Mm -hmm. and at at the same time i was getting into them i was really getting into stephen king so that you know that kind of stuff's pretty cool when your okay. interests kind of intersect like that. Yeah, sure. Yep. They turned me on to Judge Dredd, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, mine didn't intersect. That was where mine began. Um, that, I mean, I, hearing those two leads me to Samuel yeah. Taylor Coleridge, and there you go. Yeah. So, JPP. Oh, man. <clears throat> I had a hard time with the second choice, so I'll, I'll kind of explain my second choice and then I'm going to throw in a little run, runner up nameless plug but um, uh-huh. you know Tony said 
Pink Floyd earlier, and I picked a uh, Pink Floyd song that isn't super lengthy, but it kind of it feels like a long time when you're listening to it. Um, it's seven minutes and some change, but it's Us and Them from Dark Side of the Moon. Yes. Great song, and it just takes a while to kind of build and you know when they sing that's they're singing slowly and there's delay and that kind of thing going on us us you know so uh-huh. you just kind of feel like you're floating in space so while the song isn't as long as the ones that y'all are choosing um it certainly pauses time in its own way and makes you feel like it lasts a lot longer than it does and not in a bad way um but just great vocals in it and the backing vocals when it builds up and that kind of thing too it's kind of choral in its own way and and very dynamic in nature as well so um and i know i've told the story before about how i stumbled upon that album my parents told me to take danzig back because no no way in hell am i going to have a demon skull album cover at home they're gonna (laughs) you know get my money back but i had to exchange and so they had to fork over three extra bucks and i walked home with some pink floyd so double win um yes and Thus concludes this part of my segment. <laughs> well, it's a little short, you know, with my parameters, but I'll allow it. Damn right you will. All right. I second that. Video <laughs> review. Yeah, right. Cole stands. Yeah, I got a second one while you guys were talking and everything. I figured out a second one. Go for it. Inagata DeVita. Yeah, Ooh, Butterfly. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised nobody picked up Inagata DeVita, but then again. You know, I I heard them live one time on my way to college. They Where? played on on uh, State Road Twenty Six, where the veterans have that big old airport, and they have their veterans reunion every year. Uh, mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So Iron Butterfly performed. I don't know how many of the original members, but I happened <laughs> I happened to be driving by as I heard a drum solo, so I was like, that must be in the God of the Vita. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I would recommend the Slayer cover of that. Song. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. a great one. All right. So that leads us to um, a new challenge next week, and that will be issued by our very own JPP. That's right. Before I do, let me let me throw my runner-up out there. Um, it's, like I said, a shameless plug. Earlier this year, I wrote a song that was 8 minutes and 51 seconds, just shy of the, of the 9-minute mark. But um, it's a three-parter called Wide-Eyed View. I have it on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes and see if anyone listened this far and maybe clicked the link. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, That's good. I enjoyed recording that. It's uh, certainly a rock tune and um, lots of guitar and lots of uh, little melodies and things like that. So... Um, felt good to get that out of my system, to say the least. It was shortly after seeing Metallica, and I was certainly uh, channeling my my inner Hetfield and Hammett um, in my own amateur way. Got that going. Nice. All right, so <clears throat> this week's challenge comes from a good friend of mine, Mr. Chip. Uh, Chip used to be a colleague of mine, along with Rob Winter back in the day, our previous guest. And um, he hit me up earlier last month and i've been holding on to this for my challenge and he asked me what'd you think of the new tool song tool song when it came out and of course you know we talked about it for a bit and um he said he really enjoyed it and um he said it was a weird mix of ladder ladder and Ten Thousand days to him at first glance and uh um he said, for the metalheads, I listened to the new Tool track again today in my headphones and with 100% attention, Maynard's vocals are fantastic. 
had to then I had to listen to 46 and 2 for comparison. Still my favorite ending to a rock song. And I said, what, 46 and 2? Yes. And so um, I just realized that that would be a great discussion. Best, best favorite ending to a rock song. So, Chip, I'm using your suggestion today for this week's challenge. Pick two or three of your favorite endings to rock songs. Huh. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. And next week, I will reveal his. He gave me a list of them. Nice. I like that a lot. Might be kind of challenging. Yes. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Accepted. Challenge accepted. How many are you shooting for? Just like a couple, two, three? Two or three, yeah. I'll have seven. <laughs> Tony will have 49. <laughs> I haven't cheated in a while, so I might. He has not. <laughs> Great endings. Whew. Yeah. We're going to have to dig back through the annals. I know. Be careful with that be, one, boys. This, what? They <laughs> yeah. spell that. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be a tough one for me for sure because um, a lot of them out there. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Cool. I'm ready. Sorry. All right. Cool. It's time for the album review. Yeah. This was weird because we have come off of a hot streak recently. Um, really the last three albums we've all really liked and, um, they've all offered, yeah, we like (laughs) had new things and and people breaking new ground and people being really introspective and, and brilliant returns. So this one had a lot to live up to because we got our serious mojo flowing. So this week we are reviewing post Malone and, um, full disclosure, None of us are huge Posty fans. Not that we came in hating Posty, but we definitely are not over-the-top, you know, fanboys like the last three. So, where do we start, gentlemen? Break out the ibuprofen. It's going to hurt. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Monday. I mean, Monday <laughs> are you are you chomping at the bit? I'll draw first blood. I don't mind. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I, up top, I want to say that I do think that Post Malone is talented. Um, mm-hmm. He has a pretty decent voice, and you know, I know he at least plays guitar, so he's not—he is kind of a musician. <laughs> uh, I'm not just a total hater on the guy. Um, listening to this was a little rough for me. Um, I'll just kind of roll through my notes here, I guess. Um, the the second song, the Saint Tropez, I absolutely hated the lyrics on that song. I, it's what it that song is everything that I don't like about certain kinds of hip hop. It, it like it just feels like bragging. And, Give an example there. Uh, I mean, I he's just. In that song, I feel like he's just talking about like everything he has and everything he does. He's talking about like hanging out in Saint Tropez, and I'm like, and like I don't care about that stuff. I don't. It doesn't mean anything to me. My hip hop that I like, most of it is like I like socially conscious lyrics. Like I, I want, I want you to have something to say. You know, take a stance on something. Um, you know, don't 
I just, I don't, I don't care about all of your money and your possessions. Like that doesn't mean anything to me because I don't have any of that. So uh, just have a good message. That's what I want. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of, a lot of this album, I think a lot of it sounds the same, um, which I, Steve pointed out earlier as a metal fan, uh, you know, people say that about metal a lot and that's not lost on me. Um, so I just think it being not a huge fan of his, but it just, it all sounds the same to me. Um, I pointed that out, Jeremy, but I feel the same way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> as far as most of that so, goes, there wasn't a lot of variation. Yeah, that's, I mean, he just kind of hangs in the same pocket most of the time. Like it, with his vocal range and with the music, like it, especially the, the beats and the bass lines, like it all mm-hmm. sounds similar. A, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, but that's why I think the, the tracks that really sounded different are the ones that stood out for me. Um, and uh, throughout this thing, like in several of the songs, he does this thing where he, he has this auto tune kind of stutter. Mm-hmm. And it, I, uh, that every time I heard it, it just like, I just bristled. What are you like, talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? It, uh, I, I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, most of the most of the guest spots were they were either just kind of meh or or really terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, I this is not like modern hip hop is not something I'm super into, so I don't I don't know most of these people. And but there was one. It's the song uh, "Goodbyes" featuring Young Thug. His voice on that song, Young Thug's voice, is absolutely horrendous. It, it is so, so terrible. I, I, it's like I can't even listen to the whole song. I, I still I haven't listened to that whole song. It's so bad. It's just his voice. That, I don't know. It sounds like he's just yelling at you. <clears throat> it's very shrill. <laughs> but, yeah. There's, listen to this, you know, there's like 17 songs to get through. Most of them are mercifully short. Um, and the, the standouts for me were Allergic. Uh, it has the really cool offbeats, kind of different. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like, he shows off his vocal range in that song quite a bit, which is, it's cool. It sounds great. Like, I, he should do that more. <laughs> um mm-hmm. The Take What You Want with Ozzy and Travis Scott. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a huge Ozzy fan. I love that song. I like the, the melody that Ozzy sings. And then um, Post kind of, he mirrors that melody. He sings the same thing and they both sound awesome. Um, I did not like Travis Scott's part in that because it's like over auto-tuned. It's really, I, I don't care for that sound. Um, unless you're using it for some kind of effect, which, but just to just do your verse and it's like auto tune, it's just, I, I don't care for that. And then the uh, Sunflower from the Spider Verse soundtrack, I like that song. It's got kind of a bouncy pop feel and it's a definite earworm. But All right. overall, 
uh, rating, I would give it maybe a one, one and a half. And I, there's not going to be much I'm going back to on it. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what, though? Um, I, one of my standout tracks was Sunflower as well. And I'm not sure if I heard it separately from the movie, if I would feel as good about it. But I got a certain warm spot because that movie is probably one of the best movies of the year of any kind of movie. So it really kind of hits me in a sweet spot there. So I'm not sure beyond that if I would love it as much. I have not seen the movie, and I liked that was one of my standout tracks. Okay, yeah. So maybe it would stand on its own. The soundtrack, I actually listened to that with uh, with Justice, my oldest son, and I. We were doing something in the living room, and I just put it on Spotify because I knew he liked it. And it's not bad. I mean, there's a lot of songs on there that I like. There's some I didn't, but that one, that on there, I think was a standout track on that soundtrack as well. So it's a genuinely good song. Yeah. T bags, what do you think? Um, I. Well, let me also qualify two things. One thing, the same thing Jeremy said, I think Post Malone is talented. Um, and secondly, it's out of my normal genre, so it's almost unfair as far as number ratings go, because mm-hmm. it's not going to beat like my favorite in the genre, you know? But um, <clears throat> with that said, I thought it opened strong. I loved the title, and I thought it was going to open strong with this, you know, basically calling Hollywood vampires mm-hmm. and soul sucking you know kind of maybe that's that genre's equivalent of you know the whole anima learn to swim thing from tool you know watching la go away but then it just went into some of that self-indulgent stuff and some very uh i agree with jeremy you know it's a lot of it was like mediocre um production maybe the production is mediocre but it's just so out there all over the place that it's not unique and so I only really came away with three standout tracks, which was Take What You Want, and I know I have a soft spot listening to Ozzy sing, but mm-hmm. also kudos for, the song's great, so bringing that together, making it happen in 2019, that's awesome. Uh, Sunflower, I liked, and I didn't really know it was on the soundtrack until I did some research after listening to it, and then um, Die For Me, because I kind of like Halsey, um, and I thought she did good on that, and the track was good. There was a lot of like decent... Uh, groovy kind of head bopping type beats, you know, but uh, I don't really relate a lot to the lyrics either. And I, uh, so I ended up giving it uh, a three and that's pretty, I did that rated in the genre. If I had to do overall for like putting it into my own playlist and stuff, that probably would go to a two. Yeah. It's interesting. You were talking about the first song because they, I thought the same thing. I thought he was really going to blast Hollywood and, and all the backstabbing and all that stuff. And it didn't, it would just kind of petered out and like gave up on it. I don't know. I just didn't have the bite that I thought he would have. Um, attacking. He didn't do that at all. Yeah. I think he, he kind of almost like he's just part of it. Could be. That's what I got. I mean, For the, like, majority, you know, yeah. the lyrics that I was pointing out of like, he's just bragging about his money and stuff. Like what's well, more Hollywood than that. I know, and I think Post Malone came on the scene. I could be wrong because I'm not a huge fan, but I think he was so like anti what you'd expect for mm-hmm. for everything that you know this would have been a really good opportunity. He's already got the platform to to keep going, but again, it's he's the artist. I don't know what he's going through. He, maybe this is what he felt like he needed to put out, but it just fell flat with me. 
I'll say I, I did enjoy that song with Halsey as well. I don't know anything about her, but that song was pretty good, and they played off of each other pretty well. Agreed. And then uh, just I, I don't have much to add as far as you guys are repeating a lot, a lot of what I would say. I did the song Circles has a pretty nice little groove. Um, I like that one. Is was one of my other standouts. And I'm going to go a little bit further because none of us are real Posty fans, but I did check in with a couple resident Posty fans. Okay. So my daughter is a huge Post Malone fan, and so is my son. He's even gone as far to travel across state lines to go see him live. So he, and he, his whole life is music, so um, I trust him uh, on most things. And he was over it. And Sistine was over it. <laughs> they thought it was lame. And my daughter, who doesn't like much of anything outside of her little niche, um, besides uh, she does like one line from Slipknot that she sings over and over, which is fun. And uh, <laughs> she loved Ozzy's appearance on this. And I think she said that shit was banging or something. I can't remember. I think I sent it to you guys. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah. that was her favorite song on the record. And she was just not slapping. Slapping. That's what it was. That shit was slapping. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I may I may have to go ask her what that means, but uh, <laughs> but she really felt like we did. She loved Sunflower, she loved Circles, she loved that song. But other than that, she just felt like what a letdown. And my son uh, felt pretty much the same way. And they're huge right. Post Malone fans. Yeah, my 15 year old as well. I told him last night that we were reviewing this, and he was like, it, eh, "It's not very good." <laughs> you know that though. That means we're on track here, right? Yeah. So I, I'm going to give it a negative 1.3. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, because it, I know we can't really give it a true rating because it's not our genre or everything, but if I'm going to put it on a scale of am I ever going to listen to this again outside of Sunflower, probably never. So I'm going to give it yeah. a two. Fair enough. Yeah. I know whoever might be listening to this can't see, but what I love is our little videos at the top. It looks like Paul is so disinterested in this conversation that he's turned to watch a TV. Uh, I've been playing solitaire this whole time, guys. <laughs> he's playing Minesweeper. Yeah. Uh, My Windows 95 machine over here. There you go. I never really paid attention, but yeah, Paul never looks at us the whole time. Well, my camera's over here. You guys are over here. So I'm trying to be engaged in the conversation. Every once in a while, I looked over and I'm like, ah. you know. So. <laughs> All right. JPP, you have anything new to add? New. <laughs> echo, echo, echo. No. Um, okay. So I listened to this album yesterday. I put it on my phone and, and streamed it. And put it through a nice, I've got a little auxiliary speaker box, so it plays things a little loudly. And my family was on the other end of the house watching a movie, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I've got stuff I'm working on, so I'll let this play in the background while I do that. And, you uh -huh. know, whatever F-bombs and stuff, they won't hear it because they're on the opposite of the building. So I'm purging old clothes and just cleaning out, you know, things that I don't need. So I'm under my bed, in the closet, and all that kind of stuff, just digging out things. And I'm listening to this album, and I get through the first song. It's like, okay, that kind of sets the pace. And then by the time I got to Saint Tropez, I was like listening to. I wasn't even in a minute in. I'm like, oh my god. And mm -hmm. I'm still you know, working. And then the song ends. I'm like, oh thank god, you know. And it kind of felt like that through most of the album. And um, 
I think what did that for me was just the disconnect lyrically that there's no attachment in that regard. And you guys know me, I don't listen for lyrics at all, but it was just like, some things just hit me in a way. It was just like, I, I just, I don't identify with that. And it's, Hey, you know, if that's what he wants to express himself with, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you know, my sum of experiences are completely different. Therefore I feel like, you know, if we crossed paths, it's like, Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And we would, keep walking opposite directions, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But here's here's the positives. The production is good, I, you know, and this is not my genre as well, but I felt like when there was chord progressions, there were tasty ones. They took little changes here and there, kind of had some classic elements in that regard. Um, the bass was always thick and full, and, and it wasn't obnoxious to me. Um, the thing that baffles me, though, as I went to look at the production credits, and the songs have, um, gosh, there's, let me, let me pull one up for example here. This is that thing where they have like 10 producers on yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So Staring at the Sun has four producers. There are one, two, three, four, five, six composers. One, two, three, four, five, six lyricists. One, two, three, four assistant mixers. One associated performer, a featured artist, a mixer, Three programmers, one recording engineer, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, six people that are listed under studio uh, personnel and one vocal producer. And it's like, it took all that for two minutes. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And um, look, I know sometimes laptop music, there's programming and tweaking and refining because you're not performing it with your fingers. So there's nuances you automate in and draw in and things like that. But rap you know that's kind of where i went with it and it was just like um you know and and people you know don't do bands much anymore but it's just as much of a collaborative process but i just feel like in a way it it kind of disconnects the artist from the song because there's so many hands in that cookie jar that it just turns into i gotta have this guy's idea i gotta have this guy's idea of course i'm speculating but kind of given my experience with having um, horn section and a full band and stuff back in the day, there was a lot of opinions that were getting thrown around and you had to finally come to a conclusion. So um, that was challenging in, in the element I was in at that time. I can't even imagine what, what it's like. Um, so with that, um, Circles was a standout track. I felt like, again, that was kind of a good groove. Um, the Aussie tune, I don't remember the, the name of it, but the Aussie tune threw me off because it was like, that sounds like Ozzy. And I looked at the track, and, holy <laughs> shit, that is Ozzy. And uh, I was like, what, what's he doing here? <laughs> Sharon, I'm in the wrong he studio. He doesn't know he's doing that. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding. But, you know, nonetheless, I mean, there were some, some decent um, <clears throat> moments here and there. But overall, it wasn't something that, you know, I, I was attached to by any means. And I remember the first time I heard um, the song from the Spider-Verse, sorry. Um, Sunflower? It, yeah, Sunflower, sorry. I was I heard that at the closing credits. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool song. And I realized it was Post Malone. I'm like, hey, I actually found this to be a, a decent tune. Um, so, you know, it, it felt like it fit the theme of the movie really well and everything, too. And, and I was kind of surprised to hear it on this album. But um, nonetheless, it, you know, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. And um, the things I like, I've certainly moved on from a lot of the contemporary, if you will, but there are some new things I enjoy too, but I just, I, it just wasn't cutting it for me. 
Um, I, I really don't have a rating for it as well. I mean, as far as like the grooves and the the songs on the album, as far as like the chord progressions and things like that, that certainly gave it a, a higher <clears throat> element in my regard. But um, it, it just really fell flat overall for me. Yeah, I could touch on two things that you said. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the first, where you're talking, you're going through that list of contributors and everything. I would love to see that breakdown and see exactly what they contributed to that song. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as what, you know, if they came up with a beat or if, I mean, one person's contribution could be like, hey, take that out of there and put this one in there. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's mm-hmm. all they did. You know, I, I would be interested to see that breakdown. Yeah, for sure. And I'll put this link in the show notes as well. It's just kind of fascinating. <clears throat> There's such a huge team write short songs these days you know yeah you, you look at um, quincy jones with his orchestra you know he's writing and arranging the tune and then he's filling his vision to this whole group of people and i'm sure he had some assistance here and there too but nonetheless you know it's definitely changed in how you know music is produced and 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 written and you know there was a podcast i was listening to last week with a buddy of mine on there and he's a drummer and he tours with artists and he was talking to it with another friend and they were talking about you know, has pop music dumbed down and, you know, the, the hosts, like, I kind of disagree with that. But one of the points they brought up that I thought was interesting is music certainly has changed with the advent of, of course, Napster was streaming music, but then you had MySpace where it's like, I can be an artist on MySpace and get my stuff out there. And mm-hmm. I certainly threw a bunch of stuff out there all the time and saw what stuck and what people didn't like. And, um, you know, many of those songs were short. Many of those songs were simple. Um, and it, maybe that kind of changed uh, the perception of, of music and, you know, much like how Trent Reznor and the industrial movement movement changed the way people heard music. um, And it shaped a a new path for music lovers, perhaps the internet and the accessibility for those who may not have a platform. Otherwise has changed people's enjoyment and how they enjoy it. The other thing you said I wanted to touch on was uh, new music. Mm-hmm. I love to find new music. I don't have a ton of time for it like I used to. I mean, it mm-hmm. used to be that's all I did. Yeah. Um, but, and I don't just look for heavy music. You know, of course, I love that. And I love finding new heavy bands or bands that have been around for a while that I never paid attention to and that kind of thing. But I mean, I love, I mean, I'm, I've been listening to Lizzo a lot lately, and, but I mean, I, that was never on my radar. And then suddenly there she is. I'm like, Holy crap. She's pretty awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I, I love to find new things and I just post Malone for whatever reason is not that for me. Right. Yep. All yeah. good. I don't, uh, I don't want to brag or anything, but uh, talking about all that production value and all those people involved on Xanadu, have you seen the double neck guitar that Getty plays? The top is bass, the bottom's a six string guitar, and he plays keyboards. (laughs) They said if three guys can't do it, they won't play it. (laughs) That's true. And they did it because he plays rhythm guitar in that song um, as well as bass. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is, Paul, we've all kind of mentioned lyrics and stuff too, but it's the genre is rap. That's what it's under, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be hip-hop, but it's, it's, it falls under rap, and you do this production, but in that genre, 
the person takes over the lyrics matter in rap you know uh the way that you present it how you all the whole flow and all that stuff so all of this overproduced or you know well produced or whatever you, whatever where it falls it still normally comes down to the artist to like pull that off and so if you're not connecting with the lyrics and and maybe there's a whole fan base that is and this is the best album to them and good for them but i think that is part of it is it's so lyric forward just by the nature of the genre alone um mm-hmm. that like if it was just mediocre to us or i mean uh not very unique to us and then we weren't connecting there's no way we're going to give it a high rating so that's yeah. where i fell well and those overproduced things usually show their face when they perform live because yes, they're incapable true, yeah. of doing a good rendition so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I touch. I said something about the socially conscious lyrics earlier, and you know, like uh-huh. for me, like I go back to like you know, Public Enemy, mm-hmm. uh, and moving moving forward to like even Eminem. He's not so much socially conscious, but he kind of touches on that stuff. But his stuff, his talent is undeniable, and he tells one hell of a story in like every song, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. interesting. Like raw emotion. Post, yeah, well, this stuff is not interesting. It's just well, that's why I, NF is so interesting now. Why we all graded that so yes. highly? I mean, that dude yes. is wearing his heart on his sleeve. He's yes. letting you in a not a peek at his money and his fame and all that, but he's letting you in and his inner thinking and the pain that he is experiencing to do what he's doing, which is exactly. what we all can grab onto. It you feels know? raw and yeah. just yes. relevant. I saw I saw a good NF meme. I'll make this fast, but. It said other rappers, and it showed like different rappers outside of like a Bugatti or a Lamborghini or whatever. And then it said NF, and he's pushing a shopping cart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. fantastic. All right. Any final word on Posty? Are we? Yeah. Speaking of NF, I had to cleanse my palate and put NF on after listening to Post Malone. Nice. Oh boy. Because I didn't get a chance to give it a thorough listen at our initial review, so I, I gave it uh, a final full listen, and that's a good four and a half for me. All right. I think after I listened to this, I had to put Sacred Reich back on and cleanse my palate. (laughs) I bet Tony put Tool on. (laughs) Yeah. I did. So. Okay. <laughs> um, so, well, next week we're going to be reviewing the new corn. And um, this should be good because I know we're all fans, but we also have, it's a band that's been around for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see if they're breaking any new ground. If they're just, mm-hmm. you know, redoing the old, you know, the, uh, the old hits. So it should be a good review for us, I think. Cool. Sounds good. Looking forward to that for sure. I'm going to throw this out right now. This is just a total pre-guess, but I'm going to guess that feel these bass strings are going to sound loose and rattly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Anybody uh, listening to anything new or anything they'd like to share? Tony, you need any follow-up with uh, Tool since you've had a chance to listen for an additional week? Oh, I can't drag the show on so I'll, I'll get into that next week but yeah it keeps growing on me but i do have a few things um just news and things that i'm kind of watching but uh, to keep on your radar bill burr has a stand-up special coming out i love him if you don't know who he is you got to check him love. out yeah he's great yeah. as a lot and breaking bads movies coming out so um the dave Chappelle. i think we've all watched that one maybe by now that's not a chance to yet not so sure good. i want to it's great <laughs> well, it's great uh 
Anyway, I finished Mindhunters, which is a great series on Netflix about like the starting of the FBI unit that um, started like tracking serial killers before they even labeled them serial killers, just started to profile them. Um, and I just started a series called Sinner. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but holy crap, that first episode is amazing. So cool. Yeah, I'll What's throw some trailers on? out there. Netflix. Okay. Yeah, um, I got the review of Mindhunter from my mom. She was like, holy crap, adult language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard a little bit about that from some of the true crime podcasts I listen to. They're on board with that, so I'll probably yeah, check it da- out. David Fincher directed it, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been listening to Lizzo. I've just fallen completely in love with her. Do you love her flute playing? I think she's oh, it's awesome. It's great. What? Okay, you go back to the Beastie Boys and tell me an amazing flute loop is not does not make a song. That's right. So plus, I love her whole you know her whole message and her confidence and that she's awesome. I love her. Um, but uh, oh, what else? What? trying to think oh a new podcast uh there's i found another new podcast um it's called bizarre albums and it's done by uh oh gosh i just forgot his name it's tony tony thaxton who is the drummer of motion city soundtrack oh, okay and he started this podcast called bizarre albums and they're all like around 15 minutes long so it's a quick listen and um, he takes, like, his first episode is the wrestling album from 1985. And he just kind of goes in-depth on it for, like, 15 minutes, like, how it was made, why it happened, all that kind of stuff. And he just, he, I think one of them was, like, uh, the Simpsons sing the blues. Like, he just takes weird stuff, like, from, you know, that like, why does this album exist kind of thing. And it's pretty cool. Nice. Cool. You are the man when it comes to podcasts. That's right. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, Let's see. My wife and I were watching. So, of course, we made a Disney trip last summer with my daughter, and I had never been. So we're kind of hooked on all updates of Orlando area with Disney and Universal and stuff. There's a YouTuber she follows. I know his first name is Tim. I can't remember the channel, but... He gets kind of um, sneak preview access to theme parks and and able to update people with what's happening. So um, earlier this week, we watched his impressions of Galaxy's Edge. Got to go in and experience some of the section of Hollywood Studios at Disney. Um, There's a really cool section where you can build lightsabers yourself and everything. 200 bucks to do it, (gasps) but, you know, that's Disney for you. But um, he went to Universal... I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and he got a media pass for their Halloween uh, studios. And so, as my wife explained to me, apparently there are some actual movie studios there at Universal that are unused, and so they turn those into the Halloween parks that are running from now until Halloween, maybe shortly thereafter. But Stranger Things is going on, so you can actually walk through a Stranger Things experience. There's Ghostbusters one, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. (laughs) you know, so he was going through with the camera and showing you all the stuff. And there's actually the cotton candy cocoons, killer clowns section that you get to walk through. Um, it's just really cool to, to see that. 
so that was a, a big part of later earlier this evening rather as far as after the kiddo went to bed before recording and um new podcast i found it's called your good get better um that's the one i was talking about a little bit ago with my buddy was on it too it's a, a drummer down in nashville he hosts the podcast and he brings other music on they just kind of shoot the shit and talk a little bit about music and talk about you know life in general and stuff and creative process it's really cool the, the episodes don't seem to be terribly long excuse me but uh you know for me you know how i like to dig in and get nerdy on that kind of stuff it's right up my very good finding new stuff yeah well i don't really have anything new or exciting i've listened to slipknot and tool every day for the past well part of that for three weeks so i haven't listened to anything other than that except for what we're reviewing uh, but I'm super excited. Um, other than my Jays going in the toilet, they'll be done soon. Football season has started. Hockey season's about to start. The Joker movie's coming out. The Mandalorian series is starting. A new Star Wars here in a few months. So the rest of this semester is looking pretty good. Nice. For a minute, though, I thought you said you were flushing your Jays down the toilet. No, they flush themselves down <laughs> the toilet. Police! Cops! Cops! 5-0! 5-0! It's the first one! Uh, I dialed 911 a long time ago Can't you see how late they reacting? <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes Flavor flight. Hey, that's public enemy, yeah Yes Get up, All get, right. get down, 911 is a joke in your town Right Love it Alright folks, that wraps up episode 38 Come back next week We'll be looking at our favorite rock song endings Or I guess any song endings for that matter uh, we'll play another Lester Bangs-inspired challenge and review the new corn. Corn! <laughs> Hope you hear us then. Bye now.